Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, May 22nd. If you are a listener to our many Cracked Rackets podcasts, you know that we have the opportunity so frequently to talk to so many great guests from throughout the tennis universe, whether it be professional players, college players, coaches, media personalities, and so many more. Uh, I can truly say that is the biggest blessing of getting to be a part of this Cracked Rackets experience is getting to listen to so many differing opinions, so many incredibly fascinating stories, and so getting to interact with so many outstanding tennis minds. It's what makes doing these podcasts for me such a pleasure and you know I can count on one hand the amount of interviews I would really like to take back whether it's my performance I just wasn't gelling with a guest or technical difficulties whatever it may be you know not to humble brag but we've done 600 plus podcasts and that I can really say you know I can whittle it down to the three podcasts I would like to redo and folks I could give you all three names I'm not going to do that right now but believe me I could Uh, that speaks to again how many fantastic personalities and just how easy easy it is to have a fun conversation when you are interacting with people from throughout the tennis community. That being said, folks, we have a treasure of a podcast as we head into another weekend in quarantine. And look, we have been monitoring the biggest storylines in professional tennis throughout the week here on the Mini Break Podcast, whether it be the merger talks between the ATP and the WTA, the ongoing player relief funds uh, efforts and what those funds are going to look like, whether the players will have a voluntary fund where players are, you know, higher-ranked players are giving, uh, are donating, chair, you know, funds to lower-ranked players to help them get through this financially stressful time. Uh, We've covered all of those stories, and so if you want to hear about that in depth, I highly recommend you listen to our mini-breaks from throughout this week, as well as the Great Shot podcast I've done over the past couple of weeks with Mark Miles, the former CEO of the ATP Tour, as well as Brett McCormick of Sports Business Journal. Uh, But today I have an absolute delight of a guest on the show, a man we have had on this show before. Of course, you will recognize his voice as he is a prominent player in tennis media, the host of Tennis Channel Live, a guy who is doing the play-by-play coverage for this weekend's UTR Pro Series event with Lindsey Davenport. Of course, I'm talking about Steve Weissman, and whenever we get Steve on the pod, I mean, within the first 30 seconds, you're like, oh, this is why this guy gets the big shots on the TV. This is why so many people like him. Not only is he incredibly handsome, but he's also, you know, very funny, very candid guy, will speak what is on his mind, not afraid to have some fun as well. And that's what we do on this podcast primarily. We have so much fun. Hopefully you all will get the sort of laughs we all need when it's week 10, week 11 in quarantine. And I know I thoroughly enjoyed this podcast, and I know you all will as well. So we will get to that in a second. But before we do, I have to let you know that these mini-break podcasts are made possible due to our relationship that we have and the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. And for more than 20 years, Midwest Sports has served as a supporting crutch for so many tennis 
players across the globe because they've served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers for so many of us aspiring tennis players. They offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match and have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping directly from their 40,000 square foot automated warehouse to your front door. They value innovation and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. And I say this all the time, but seriously, you know, we've all taken a bit of a hiatus from tennis. I know my body composition has changed and not in a beneficiary way, a beneficial way, beneficiary. Hey, great shot in a beneficial way during this quarantine. And maybe I need my string strung a little bit looser. Maybe Maybe I, de- you know, I definitely need to regrip my racket, but you know, I don't know exactly what sort of uh, gear maintenance do I need to do before I get back on the court. Well, thankfully, I know I can call my friends at Midwest Sports because their well-trained staff are intimately familiar with tennis equipment and can help me find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect piece of tennis clothing that is sure to put me ahead of the competition and you as well. And their selections of tennis equipment are consistently first to market, and they pride themselves in stocking their warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. So what you're going to want to do right now, go to MidwestSports.com. You'll see equipment you like, I guarantee it. Order yourself up. Go to that checkout spot. But before you check out, think to yourself, hmm, I don't need to, but I would like to save a little bit more money. How did I hear about this? Well, you heard about it from your friends at Cracked Rackets, and we want to do a little bit more for you, not just put you in a position to succeed, but save a little money in your pocket as well. If you use our promo code CR15, not only will you get 15% off, you will let Midwest Sports know we sent you there. And in response, you will also, on top of everything else, get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls to ensure that whenever you make your return to the court, you have everything you need to ensure that is it is a success. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, get 15% off your order. We are so grateful for the support they give us. The least we can do is ask that you support them as well. All right. Before we get to my conversation with Steve Weissman, just one more thing. Again, Steve and I talk about the upcoming UTR Pro Series event that all of you can find on Tennis Channel. Uh, all of you, you know, can expect. Again, it's four players: uh, Danielle Collins, Amanda Nisimova, Alia Tamjanovic, Ali Risk, all competing in the Fast Four format that we saw the men compete in in Florida when it was Opelka, Hercatch, Kasmenovich, Paul. Just a few weeks ago, I talked to Steve about what fans can expect from that event. He's talked to the players as well, how they're feeling right now. We also speculate whether we think we're going to see any more professional tennis during the 2020 season. We talk about the player relief funds and so much more. A lot of joking, a lot of cooking talk as well. Steve fancies himself a chef, and let's just say I challenge some of those assumptions in the most enjoyable ways. But again, it's a podcast conversation. I know all of you will enjoy as we head into the weekend. So with that being said, let's get to my conversation with Tennis Channel's Steve Weissman. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today is a man I consider my 
Mishpacha here at Tennis Channel. Of course, you will know him as the host of Tennis Channel Live. He will also be doing the play-by-play coverage with Lindsey Davenport for this weekend's UTR Pro Match Series events. Steve Weissman, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm a return customer. I'm very excited, Alex. <laughs> By the way, I always thought it was pronounced mishpucha. Yeah, it? I think it depends. I think in Michigan we like to emphasize the A's, so it gets to <laughs> mishpucha. But I, but I've heard both as well. As long as it's not you know mishbuka, you're like yeah, that's a little too strong. <laughs> depends what what part of Yiddish land you're from. So. <laughs> Exactly. Mine's more of the Tel Aviv pronunciation, ah, uh, as, okay. uh, as you can imagine. Um, but no, it is always a pleasure to have you back. How are you doing? All is well. You seem to have been busy. Yeah, no, all is all is great out here. Uh, the weather's been fantastic. Keeping busy with workouts, with cooking. I did a uh, live Instagram cooking demo with uh, the City Taste of Tennis. So that was really fun because uh, I've been, been honing my chef skills during the quarantine, um, hosted the uh, press conference yesterday for the UTR Pro Match Series. So really looking forward to calling these matches this weekend with Lindsey Davenport and uh, really great, you know, four players that we have, you know, all four of them, Amanda Andesimova, Allison Risk, Isla Tomjanovic and Danielle Collins all reached their career highs last year. So should be some entertaining stuff. Absolutely. All interesting stories for differing reasons, and I do want to talk about that in a second. But you brought it up, so let's get to the Taste of Tennis hosting appearance, because I have some thoughts, uh, as you can imagine, of course. Did you watch? Uh, did I watch, Steve? Come on, I'm not going to ask you to come on the pod and not do my research. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you didn't ask a question. It's an interactive experience. So I, That's I was, true. I was waiting for an Alex question, you know? <laughs> yeah, the problem now is I feel like if I pop up, you'd be like, ooh, do I respond? Do I not respond? Is it going to be favoritisms? And then if you don't respond, I'll be thinking to myself, oh, I didn't respond. And so, uh, you know, all of the usual middle school pressures still apply. That's that's fair, but it would be favoritism, and I would answer your question. So, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're mishpacha, um, yeah. So it all makes sense. But so let, let's get into the cooking a bit because I think you deserve credit. You were into cooking before it became a quarantined fad. Is that fair to say? Uh yeah. No, I've I've loved cooking for for years and years. I've always uh, been a fan of kind of getting in the kitchen and, and coming up with my own recipes and using others' recipes and making my own adaptations and just getting good product from the grocery store, uh, whether it be some type of seafood, a scallop, a fish, or um, another type of protein like uh, a steak. Or you know, During the quarantine, I've come up with chicken marsala, which I made on the Taste of Tennis. Um, didn't come up with chicken marsala, but <laughs> made, it for, made it for the first time. And also coming together uh, and, and doing some mixology, you know, and making some cocktails and stuff like that. So I've always loved it, and uh, I've hosted some events for Taste of Tennis in the past in that role, and so I was grateful enough that they gave me the opportunity to actually do a, a live cooking demo and kind of show off uh, what I've been doing in the kitchen as well. And uh, so the folks at Taste of Tennis, like many, have, have pivoted during this time and gotten a lot of superstar players to, to do cooking demos from Sam Query to the Bryan brothers uh, to Sophia Kennan and many, many more. And so uh, plus a, a lot of top chefs as well have come on. So it was really cool for me. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe doing it again. And um, last night I made these mini zucchini uh, burgers or they, the, I use zucchini as a bun and then made a mini cheeseburger. And um, that turned out well. So, you know, I, I'm always just, just loving to, to chef it up. 
Yeah, you have my attention completely. I mean, I saw the video for Meatball Mondays, and you know, you're you're <laughs> you're, you're a skinny guy. You stay in shape. Those, all those meatballs can't be for you. Uh, no, they're they're not all for me. But what <laughs> we do, so my girlfriend and I, we make enough so that we can have them for multiple days. Because I mean, it takes a, it, it's a big process to cook. This isn't just like you whip it up in you know fifteen minutes. I mean, I, I do a lot of prep work and. Um, have to, you know, cut everything up. I don't, I don't buy anything pre-made. And so, um, when we're doing the meatballs, I'm like, let's get four pounds of beef <laughs> and, and, and really go at it. So we have, you know, meatballs for days and I can have it for lunch. I can have it for dinner. Um, and by the way, it's protein. It's good for you. I mean, I'm not making anything that's unhealthy. And, um, so I think when you do cook yourself, uh, one, it's more economical because anything at the grocery store is cheaper than when you go to a restaurant. And two, you know exactly what you're putting into your food. So it should be healthier than whatever you're getting at a restaurant as well. And that's no knock on. I love go. I miss going to restaurants. Um, and I still, you know, one or two nights a week, we'll order out from some of our favorite restaurants to support them during this time. But uh, but I do love to, to cook. Yeah, no, I mean, again, this is why you're my mother's favorite guest, because this is her <laughs> Sunday. It's all day. I, I see the cast iron skillet. I recognize that exact pan from her countertop. And so is I think right? that's, yeah, <laughs> so uh, that's her Sunday as well. And, uh, you know, I miss that home cooking now more than ever, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, it is a fun way to have, you know, to be interactive, because one of my, you know, there's not a lot of tennis commercials out there. One of my favorite all time is one from recent, and it's Roger Federer with his pasta a commercial i could watch him going bon appetito just a million times and get a laugh out of it every time it does feel like you know the, i love the interlapping between the taste of tennis the tennis community it does feel like many of these players are attracted to it because there is you know being on the road all this time uh, as a professional tennis player you do have to learn to fend for yourself to cook on your own to find a healthy option and you know whether you're playing a future in thailand or you're at wimbledon so taste of tennis, I mean, it's it's two parts of the world, two passions that I think so many tennis people love. I mean, who doesn't love food, good food, these world-renowned chefs and, and their parties as well. I mean, I've been to the ones in New York and Indian Wells, and they have them in D.C., and they were going globally. And um, I think it's just fantastic because one of the great things about tennis is the global nature and being able to travel to all these tournaments. And you bring up the fact that, Yes, you want to stay healthy, and, and it's sometimes you want to cook on the road, and you can certainly do that. But for me personally, being on the road is where I go out to eat. So I cook at home, but when I'm at in Paris at the French Open at Roland Garros, I mean, that is where I truly love to go out and go to Lavenue. And I, I literally pick where I'm going to stay based on a restaurant because I love it so much. <laughs> Um, because they have such great food there. And when I'm in New York, all the fantastic restaurants there. And when I'm in Charleston, my goodness, going to Hall's Chop House and Fig and all the amazing restaurants in the low country. And then in D.C., I go out with my parents and we'll pick a couple new restaurants to go to. And um, so I truly and Indian Wells. I mean, I, I don't even have to leave the site. I mean, you got Nobu on you know, court two and you got Spago on court one getting to eat with Wolfgang Puck last year was one of the moments of my, my 2019. So. Um, you know, to be able to combine that passion for food and that passion for tennis, they really go hand in hand, and it's just awesome. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned earlier, I can't wait for that golf Federer crossover commercial just across generations. Hearing Federer have to speak in millennial vernacular, that'll be something. <laughs> it should uh, be a TikTok. To... Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> there it is again that's why you're the content genius um well you know you this could be a cooking show because i could keep talking about it but you know people do of course want to hear uh, about this weekend's my uh, or my utrs it's what i want to call it but the utr pro series events it's the second sequence of events earlier uh in florida it was opelka her cash kasmenovich tommy paul uh this weekend it's going to be the ladies you have amanda nisimova alia tamyanovich ali risk and danielle collins as you mentioned for our our listeners intrigued in the event what can they expect to see this weekend uh, amazing tennis i mean it starts on friday noon eastern on tennis channel same thing on saturday and then sunday it's one eastern with the finals and the third place matchup um it's same format where you get best of three sets fast four tennis no ad scoring um and it's starting off with amanda anisimova against daniel collins first match on friday followed by Ali Risk against Isla Tamjanovic, and then Ali Risk again against Amanda Anasimova. Um, so it, it's just going to be four fantastic players, three Americans, one Australian who've been itching to get out on the court and get matches in. I mean, these are there's prize money involved. It's real matches. It counts for your UTR. And so, um, you know, I, I hosted the press conference yesterday for it, and, and all four players are super stoked to get back on the court. I think, you know, there are – parts of the country that are reopening faster than others but i think a lot of the country is reopening right now and tennis is one of those sports that le- will lead the way in the return to professional sports i mean we saw it uh with the men's utr event that looked great i mean the, I mean, the tennis was at a high level in my opinion and it was just great to see the player i don't need the fans out there i don't need the lines people out there get your own balls um none of that bothered me so uh, I, I think you get some really special moments, and, and that's going to happen with these four women who all really know each other well, and, and they're friends. And, and by the way, I mean, they are some high-level players. I mean, Ali Risk is in the top 20, got to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon last year, Anna Samova semifinals, uh, you know, first player born in the 2000s, reached the semifinals of a major, did that at Roland Garros, um, got to her career high last year, won her first title last year, Danielle Collins. Also a semifinalist last year at the Australian Open. Uh, and Isla Tamjanovic, who had the best year of her career in 2019. A couple top ten wins, fourth career final, and got to her career high. So I, I think that it's going to be high level. They've all been hitting. Of course, Tamjanovic, you know, her boyfriend, uh, Matteo Berrettini, top ten men's player. So they've been practicing. Um, and, and all the other players have been out on the court as well. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it, just being able to call a match again. Yeah, I, I think all of us just are so excited to see pro players return to the tennis court. And again, there are so many fascinating storylines for these players in particular. You mentioned it at the top, the fact that all of them reached career highs during the 2019 season. And, you know, for a player like Ali Risk, who was playing so well over these past 14 months uh, to be robbed of opportunities to play more pro matches. Uh, you got to do the, a press conference with each of the players yesterday, and I'm curious, what was the vibe around uh, them? Because it's not a Grand Slam tournament, right? I don't think any of us are expecting to see a thousand ten percent on the courts. It would be, you know, it's not a Grand Slam fourth round. You can't expect that sort of effort, but how much are these players just itching to get back on the court? Yeah, I think the vibe, Alex, is just a, a fun vibe, you know, that being able to get back and play tennis competitively, match play. I mean, this stuff counts. It's not an exhibition. Um, you know, like I said, it's for prize money and, and, it, and it's match play. And it's something that 
you know, UTR has, has done a great job. You can play locally, count globally, and anyone can really do this. And this is four pros that are, that are doing it uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida. But, you know, Danielle Collins, she, she, she had some fantastic remarks yesterday about she was actually on the cutting edge because she got herself a home gym before, <laughs> you know, you could barely find a dumbbell on the Internet for less than 100 bucks. Um, so she was able, you know, to get herself, you know, training fairly early. Um, Allie Risk was on TC Live last week, and she said, you know, Danielle was the biggest trash talker of the group. So I, we asked, you know, the players yesterday what they thought, and, and Danielle was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in Allie's face. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, this is the new normal. Um, and, you know, Amanda has, has played doubles with uh, Danielle before, and she kind of stayed out of the <laughs> out of the controversy there. Um but, you know, all four of the players are just super stoked to get back to playing competitive tennis because they've been hitting, you know, they've been out on the court, they've been training, they're all in great shape. And so, um, you know, obviously I think there's going to be some nerves. We saw that uh, with the men's UTR event because it's always, as you know, it's always different when you're in a match play situation versus a hit and giggle, an exhibition, or some sort of practice. I mean, this is for real. So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lively atmosphere in terms of what we, you know, present on TV. And um, I, I like, you know, I thought the camera angles were super cool with the men's event, having those jibs behind, uh, jib cameras behind both of the players. And by the way, I mean, you got to shout out Mark Leslie from UTR and Ken Solomon from Tennis Channel, really, you know, starting the vision of, of having these events in West Palm Beach, Florida at a private court. And then everybody else kind of uh, being able to make these happen and Ann Worcester and, and Stephen Amitraj and, Everybody at UTR coming together to, you know, get all these safety precautions because, by the way, the, the health of the players, the health of the staff, the health of everybody there is uh, the most important thing. And so they have taken a ton of, uh, you know, safety precaution measures to make sure that everything is safe for everybody and that we can have live tennis again. You talk about it. This is not the first exhibition uh, that we've seen. And I'm curious, what have you thought about the Fast 4 format? It's not new. They play it at the next-gen finals. And, again, you, you sort of have to compromise given the scenario we're all in to ask a player to play a two-out-of-three set match over the you know three in three days. That would be a lot to ask. Uh, what have you thought about the Fast 4? I've enjoyed it. I think it, it adds to the allure of just ensuring it's been you know fun exhibition-style tennis. I like it. Um, I, I like the no ad scoring personally. I mean, you know, we have it in college tennis um, and it just adds those pressure points, those moments. I mean, you can have a match that's literally, well, if, if it's fast four, it could be four Oh, or if it's, you know, regular college tennis, it could be six love. Um, every, every game could be a deciding point. And so that separates who is better, you know, in those clutch moments and then in terms of just fast four and, and having a regular tie break at three all, I like that as well. It keeps the pace going. Um, I, I've you know always enjoyed that format. I, I'm a real fan of the next gen finals and all the innovations uh, that they've kind of uh, put together just for that event. I love you know seeing the the, the youngsters compete and um, to be able to do it in this format. I, I think it's pretty cool. And then obviously with the finals, we're going to play. Um, you know, two full sets. And then if it gets to a third, it'll be a 10 point tie break. But, um, you know, for the first round, the round robin stages, it'll be this best of three fast four format that I, I think is cool. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it adds a level of parity. It really, if the juice points don't go your way, anyone can beat anyone on any given day. And of course, all of these players are all so exceptional, and they could do that anyways. But uh, it definitely adds to the allure of the event. I'm curious what your thoughts on this are because we've seen no ball boys, uh, you know, no towel person, none of that. It's just been players, uh, you know, doing their own things, and that's obviously for safety and health reasons. And you know, I think those measures will stay in place until. You know, we have a vaccine or we really, really have a grip on all things coronavirus throughout the world. But I could also see a world where we never get ball boys back at any event. You know, there's always been that uh, sort of, that's been a discussion. A, should anyone be handling a player's towel? Isn't that disgusting anyways? Now that we've gotten rid of it, I could see it never coming back. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I think a lot of things just in the world are going to change. Will we ever see handshakes again? I mean, that's been a legitimate conversation. Um, So along those same lines, just in terms of health and safety, yes, we could never see ball kids again. I think ball kids, it speeds up the play, in my opinion. So if we could get them back, uh, that would be great because, you know, as we see, uh, you know, getting the balls from one side to the other and then, you, a player could, you know, linger around the baseline, and then how do you have the 25-second serve clock and, and all that stuff? Um, in terms of the towels, I am for never having a ball kid touch a towel again. I, I just I don't think that should ever be the case. It shouldn't have been the case before. It shouldn't be the case now. Players should handle their own towels. In terms of the balls, I just think it, it speeds up play because you serve the ball into the net. Now the player has to go get that ball, come back, serve again you know like we do when when we play which is totally fine but i just think for television purposes uh it's better to have a more expedited situation Mm -hmm. yeah i i I think that nailed it in the head. That would be the only thing. And you would have to... The problem is to... And this gets us into talking about will the tour come back this year. The problem logistically with that is if one boy, a ball boy, is you know testing positive or has had the virus, he could be a carrier. And it's like, yes, you can have them wear gloves, but at a certain level, if you're all touching the same tennis balls, it's, it's inevitable that something could happen. And the second it does happen, we have to shut the sport down. And yeah, certainly in the immediate future, I don't see it coming back. But you're right. It does add to... Uh, I suppose this, the pace of play, it, it makes it that much better. Um, uh, before we get to will the tour come back this year, I want to finish off on my UTR questions because I, I know it's you again and Lindsey Davenport in the booth this weekend. What do you and LD have planned? You're not on site, are you? We are not on site. We are in our Los Angeles studio. And, uh, you know, we're just looking forward to, to calling live tennis again. I mean, uh, you know, we, we did TC Live for, you know, five weeks and um, – you know, Lindsay's the best in the business. And so, uh, you know, she's always knows what's going on in the sport and keeps in touch with everybody and is one of the most perceptive humans I've ever come across in my life. And so I'm just looking to have some fun and, uh, you know, call, call live tennis matches, something, you know, that personally I haven't done since March. So, um, you know, it's been, it's awesome, you know, hosting shows and, and doing live cooking demos, but, uh, it's going to be uh, cool to flex the play-by-play muscles again. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you talked about no handshakes coming back. Thankfully for LD, she doesn't have to sit in the booth with you. Otherwise, all she's going to st- smell is meatball grease. Uh, so <laughs> I suppose, yeah, that's that's maybe a win for LD. But I know we are all excited. And again, for our listeners, uh, before we move on, where can they find all of the action? I believe it's all Tennis Channel. It kicks off 12 Eastern. 
yeah, 12 Eastern on Friday. You can see it on uh, on Tennis Channel. In fact, it'll also be on our network partners, plus the Chicago Cubs Marquee Network, the Yankees Yes Network. Uh, if you're in Florida, West Palm Beach, CW34. If you're international, listen to this awesome podcast with Alex. You can see it on Tennis Channel Deutschland, live streamed on the Universal Tennis and Tennis Channel Facebook pages. So there's no excuse not to be watching. <laughs> you sprechen any Deutsch? Uh, no. If you guys go multilingual on the pot or on the call i will definitely be enjoying that but no again well uh, it's it's it's, we we got three americans and australians so unless i break out (laughs) some crikey uh and she actually was born in croatia so uh, i don't think i'll have to do that for this yeah, no, absolutely. I have. I, I guess I'll throw in one last question because obviously for Amanda Nisimova, uh, the type of you know the past year, I know you've gotten the chance to talk to her a little bit. How's she holding up? And you know what would be an update for our listeners? She, you know, lost her father recently, and you know, for anyone to lose your father at that young, wouldn't wish that upon anyone. But you know, how has she been bounced back from that, from the injuries heading into this event? I think she's doing really well. I mean, if you follow her on social media, um, she's got such a great personality and such a positive light. And, um, you know, the question I asked her yesterday is, what's something positive that you can get out of? You know, there's a lot of people saying all these negative things that are happening right now. But over the past couple of months, what's something positive you can take away? And she said, you know, just figuring out what uh, really matters in life. And I thought that was a poignant answer because a lot of us, do find out, you know, during times of, of struggle, what um, what really does matter in the world. And so uh, she she brings that that really positive attitude. And in fact, the last the last event match, whatever you, you may want to say that that I participated in before the quarantine um, was uh, an exhibition at Riviera Country Club in L.A., where Amanda w- was playing against Naomi Osaka and John McEnroe was there. and Michael Chang was there and. And she, I mean, she was fantastic. There was a Taste of Tennis event there. She cooked up some sushi. Um, I, I truly believe she is going to be a, a bona fide superstar. Um, you know, she's got the game. She, she has, you know, I think going to develop a, a personality in front of the media, something that maybe you're not seeing now, but you definitely see off camera. Um, and, and just has the work ethic. Um, you know, people don't see behind the scenes how hard of a worker she is and to be able to make, you know, the semifinals of Roland Garros as a 17 year old. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of young players coming up right now, but Amanda and Coco golf, um, they are the future. Yeah, no, I, the only other criticism I would, or criticism, the only other thing I would have of you in that quarantine, uh, zoom press conference, beautiful suit you're wearing, but how could you do a press conference in a suit with no socks? That's that's sacrilegious. That's criminal. I live on the beach, Alex. That's how we roll. <laughs> I mean, have you never seen a wedding on the beach? None of, oh. none of the groomsmen wear shoes or socks. So uh, this is the L.A. lifestyle. This is what I have chosen. And that really, you know, personifies that. And by the way, I was wearing my joggers my that I sleep in, that, I, that I'm literally wearing right now. Um, they, they looked like suit pants, but they were just my comfy sweats, uh, my joggers with the with a you know dress shirt and uh, and suit jacket and obviously no 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 socks no, no shoes. <laughs> well, now I know the, why we're on the beach, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I Come know on, why the Rob. photos. Pl- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
now I know why the photo's black and white. It all is starting to make sense to me now. It hides the chakras perfectly. No, that's a veteran move by you. No, I just, you know, again, I've, I've said it before. You're on your way to being the best-looking man in tennis media, unless I have something to say about it. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, post-shave. On my way. Yeah, but, but uh, this, the no-socks look was a definite strike. That was probably your first strike. You want me to wear socks inside my house? <laughs> I don't want you to. I want you to, you know, no one likes to see feet. And if you do, I apologize if you're a foot person out there. I'm sure there are some. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just a suit with no socks, uh, it's, it's unkosher. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, when you find the love of your life and you decide on your destination wedding in, you know, Putacana <laughs> or, like, the Maldives or wherever you go, I think she's going to be like, listen, Alex, like, you're not wearing socks or shoes on the beach. Like, it's just – it's not a good look. So, you know, maybe maybe get married in, in uh, up in, in uh, Mackinac Island on the beach there or something like that. And uh, you're, you're going to think about me when you're saying I do. You're gonna be like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not wearing shoes or socks. I'm wearing a suit. And Steve Weissman was right. Yeah. Again, I'm not a shoebie, which is a term from Rocket Power. Uh, I'm not wearing shoes on the beach. I wouldn't do that. That's that's you know that's crazy. Well, here's I got a better question for you. This is going to determine you know our friendship going forward. (laughs) Uh, Do you wear shoes in your house? Well, so it's a two part answer to that question. (laughs) One, because (laughs) I got to be frank here. Uh, Before I lived in my current house, never. And I would be barefoot. Now, I wouldn't take photos of those feet, but I am a barefoot man as well because, you know, there's something to the song. Such freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, but I, yes, okay, I have a hypocrite. But we now, I now live with a dog, and I've never had that before, and I'm very ticklish, uh, and he okay. always licks my feet. And so I'm like, <laughs> I got to put shoes on. What? But no, but it's so dirty. You're bringing all that dirt into your house. No, but it's like the, this is going to sound bad. It's the house shoes, right? It's like, okay, I'm not going to, these are, it's like slippers almost. Oh, okay. So these are only, only things that you're wearing in your house. You never wear them outside. No, I'd be lying if I said I never wore them outside. (laughs) (laughs) I think your mom is going to agree with me here. I'm not sure. I I don't know what the policy is, you know. In the family household, but uh, I, I would advocate, you know, take off the shoes, leave them in, in a little corner outside the door, whatever it may be, and uh, you know, keep it clean. Keep it clean. <laughs> well, she stopped listening after you brought up my wedding, and I'm going to get a text. Are you getting married, Alex? And I'll be like, no, no, no. I'm married to the game. Come on. You know that, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that that's fair um i would say you know she would yeah she would say, I, we had an incident so i visit i went home for my little brother's 18th birthday should i share this story yeah whatever we're this far in happy and, birthday what's his name uh he's my little brother nicholas with a k no ch because again all right the, uh, little nicky happy birthday yeah, exactly well not so little anymore sadly but that's another that's story good. for another time um and of course he's blessed now with this deep dulcet tone hello alex and i'm like don't do that to me i'm like don't you ever talk to me like that um but <laughs> yeah but so speaking of being barefoot in the house my mom is an ob and so obviously baby's gonna come when a baby's gonna come so she still had to go to the hospital and be on call and you know she's going to a hospital again this story gets humorous i promise listeners and so she comes home and you know she's in the hospital she's in her scrubs and she opens the garage door and she goes guys i was just at the hospital 
I'm coming in naked. And we were like, what? We were like, no, you're not. She's like, yeah, get out of the kitchen now because I don't want to expose you guys to these clothing. And we were like, all right, we're all clear in the house. And so that wow, okay. that's her policy. <laughs> no clothes in the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just no shoes, no yeah. clothes. All right, well, uh, you learn something new about your friends every day. And uh, now... <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'll I'll be prepared if I ever get the Passover invite. <laughs> oh, we have a chuppah in the backyard. You'll love it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, to get back on track because we have we're definitely off the beaten path here. Am I? Did I answer that question correctly for you? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact <laughs> that you have like house slippers or whatever. I mean, I, I would encourage you not to wear them outside. But uh, you know, just. Mm-hmm. I think as a policy, you know, you, you take your shoes off and you go into somebody's home, especially if it's your own home. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a respectful thing. <laughs> Perfect. We could leave that topic there. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, then just a couple more because I know I want to be conscious of your time. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, these exhibition events, how many there have been. And all of that is due to the fact that it's quite clear we are not going to have professional tennis at least sanctioned ATP WTA ITF events for quite a bit of time and by the way to transition from naked mother to sanctioned events that's <laughs> got to be the transition of all time on this podcast history uh, but but anyways uh you know uh we heard recently that for the ATP and the WTA, they came out no events until August 1st at the earliest, given the way three, you know, these past months have progressed. And we are starting to see, you know, whether justifiable or not, and we don't even have to get into that, but there are places around the world that are starting to open up again. Do you see a pathway for tennis to return during the 2020 season? Or at, at a certain point, do you think they'll just make the decision to scrap this year and start over fresh in 2021? No, I mean, I think it's certainly possible. Uh, There's too much at stake monetarily. And when that's the case, um, people are going to try as hard as possible to to make things happen. And and by the way, as long as it's safe. And so, you know, we're expecting to hear about the U.S. Open sometime in June. That's what they've said. And I've read more and more that it's certainly a possibility to hold the U.S. Open with no fans. Um, And that, you know, is because right now in New York, things are getting better i mean the governor has has opened up uh, a lot of the state even out here in california um a, a lot of things are being reopened that we did not think was going to happen and governor newsom here in california said that professional sports could potentially start up in june so that's you know a huge sign that that we could get tennis i mean you know i, I was reading yesterday about you know division one football and men's and women's basketball being able to you know, to start practicing on a voluntary basis again shortly. And then I'm like, what about tennis? And that gets back to the point of, well, those are the revenue sports and they need to make money. And that's why they're allowing them to practice. Those, by the way, those are not the socially distant sports at all. So uh, if you got got football and basketball practicing, you you should put men's and women's collegiate tennis back in there because you can actually do that safely. Um, So... I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, I'm hearing more and more that Roland Garros is, you know, a, a good possibility to go with no fans as well. So until they cancel those events, um, I, I think it can happen. And I think we have a lot of time. I mean, in November, December, I mean, who knows how these numbers go and, and, and what happens once things start to reopen more. So um, I am I'm holding out hope to get, you know, the ATP and WTA sanctioned events back. 
in the meantime, I'm very grateful that we have the my UTR, as you said, UTR Pro uh, <laughs> match series events that we're able uh, to put on. And, and there's, by the way, just as a little teaser, there's going to be some exciting news about some more uh, professional events coming back shortly as well that we're going to have on Tennis Channel. Uh, so I don't want to break that news on the podcast, but um, these the the UTR Pro Match Series are not the, the lad. They're not like a one off, two off. There's going to be more tennis coming back um, all over the country. So uh, get excited. Yeah, well, I'm always down to break news on the pod. We'll call that a tidbit of broken news. <laughs> yeah. Almost, not a quite tease. breaking. Just yeah, a but, tease. yeah, exactly. We'll say cracked, as we say here at Cracked Rackets. Didn't break it, <laughs> but we cracked it a little bit. Um, yeah, but I guess my, not a counter, but just some numbers to throw at you. And, uh, you know, this is from Brett McCormick at Sports Business Daily, who clicked the clack we just had on the Great Shot podcast earlier this week. Uh, just some numbers. The average Masters 1000 tournament took just 22% of its revenue from broadcast, 16% for the 500s, 13% for the 250s. Now, for the slams, it's, you know, significantly more than that. I think it's somewhere around 40, 50%, and, you know, two thir- uh, half or a little bit more than. For, you know, uh, than that of $400 million in revenue. If you can still make $200 million of that four hundred, you hold the event. That makes a lot of sense. But for a lot of these other events littered throughout the tennis calendar, the events that make tennis the 45-week-a-year sport that it is, it seems just not financially viable for sanctioned events to come back without the presence of fans, without getting the gate receipts and the sales, as you mentioned, from buying the sushi or buying, you know, whatever the $12 five-way chili from, uh, you know, at, at Cincinnati, whatever it may be. I do worry, you know, it does seem like the French Open, the U.S. Open, they are hell-bent on playing their events this year. And so do I think we could see those two still? Yes, I do. It's the everything else that makes me think the tours would just be better off scrapping everything till 2021 trying to reset because I feel like if some of these tournaments try to go, they're going to lose so so much in revenue that it'll be hard for them to come back the next year. No, that's a great point. And, what, what, you know, my point was that if we get two more majors this year, we, if we get one more major this year, Alex, it's a win. Mm-hmm. Like That's a win. That's huge. Uh, and with the global nature of tennis, I think it's going to be difficult to get everybody traveling, you know, to one spot from all over the world. So if if the U.S. Open is held, does Roger Federer go? Does Rafa Nadal go? Are they like, you know what, like, it's not worth it safety-wise, health-wise, my family, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, it could be an asterisk type of year as well. But still, I mean, if we get a major, I'm all for it. Uh, the 250s, I think that's a much more difficult proposition, as you mentioned, with the money. But then you've got events like Indian Wells, the BNP Paribas Open, with an owner that, you know, is a multi-multi-billionaire and doesn't need that. So can we have Indian Wells? Absolutely. You know, if, if it's able to be played in California with safety measures and, you know, you've got a beautiful site and folks that can come in and quarantine and um, you don't need necessarily that gate revenue as much or the even the TV revenue in the case of Larry Ellison. But um so it's going to be events that are financially really stable. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the major events. That's where I would start with. I mean, I, I sincerely hope we get the city open in D.C. this year, a 500-level event. You know, but um, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, you know, federal and local governments determining whether it can happen. And then from there, um, you know, there's decisions to be made at, at the tour level. And, and then personally with players. Uh, as to whether they want to travel or not. 
Yeah. And, you know, the reason we've seen all of these regional events is because in a lot of places there are currently, you can't travel to certain areas or you can't come, you can go there, but you can't leave or you can't leave, but you can, you know, you'd have to quarantine for two weeks. And, you know, we don't have to talk about the big Oompa Loompa standing over this conversation. But, yeah, it, it will be fascinating to see, you know, will these international players even be allowed to travel to various places if they were playing a tournament two weeks somewhere else? Do they have to be there for two weeks quarantining before they're allowed to play an event? There are just so many different, you know, obstacles, I suppose, to overcome, as you mentioned. And then, of course, you know, financially, it's, you know, how can we incentivize these players to come make it worth their while? And as you mentioned, if, you know, if no one's watching, how do we secure the broadcast, do all of that safely, the added expenses that would come to an event for if they tried to facilitate all the, you know, the health and safety requirements needed to play the event. I agree. If we get any events in 2020, it's a win, even if it's only one. And I do think it will either be the U.S. Open or the French Open, more likely the U.S. than the French, because it's just hard to play clay events past September, October in France, right? It is. I don't know. I think it's going to (laughs) happen. You can bookmark. This uh, this part of, of the Crack Rackets pod and be like, Steve said, and by the way, if I'm wrong, like everybody says it's not going to happen. So <laughs> yeah. who cares? But uh, no, I, I don't know. I think Roland Garros is going to happen. Um, you know, they've talked about moving it back one more week. So September 27th to October 11th. I definitely think it could still go during that time. Yes. Once you get to late October, I don't think there's a possibility of holding it anymore. But um and for me, I'm still on board with the U.S. Open coming to Indian Wells and doing it in November or December or, you know, and doing it safely out there. I think I, I, that that's my my two cents. I, w- I would prefer that. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I know they, they the broadcast partners want it to be in New York and uh, and they want it to be sooner because, say, all the other sports come back. And then where are you going to broadcast the U.S. Open at this point? I'm just like, if you can get live sporting event on your network do it uh because those things i mean obviously you know i work for the nfl network as well and you know the nfl draft had like 16 million people watching so um and that that wasn't even a, a, a you know live action that, that's just a draft so um and by the way i mean we're still on board with the nfl being played uh you know coming this fall so if the nfl is going to be played in my opinion you can certainly play tennis because once again Tennis, social distance-wise, is one of those sports that uh, is is built for it, whereas you know a lot of these other sports are not. Yeah, no, I, I think you nailed it there. I, I completely agree. And so, you know, again, that, it, it will be interesting. It's a continuing story, and for now, we can all take solace in knowing that we have uh, a UTR Pro Series event to watch on Tennis Channel this weekend. A couple quick ones, and then I'll let you go. Merger thoughts. I haven't talked to you since the first announcement from Roger Federer, ATP, WTA, considering uh, merger discussions. Of course, details are continuing to emerge, and we really don't know much of what it will look like. Two-part question. A, was Roger Federer's previous social media buildup in the, you know, before he released the, we should merge, right? It was all staged social media, right? And B, you know, your thoughts on the merger talks. Wait a second. When you say staged social media, like his like challenge hitting the ball against the wall and stuff like that? Yeah, I think it was all planned. It was all the buildup to get people to say, hey, let's pay attention to Roger Federer right now. And it was all just to be, all right, I'm about to float this big item and I need everyone paying attention. Interesting. No, I think people personally are going to pay attention to Roger Federer, whether he tweets once a year or five times in a week. Like, <laughs> it's just, true. you know, he's got millions of followers. He's the GOAT. Like, you pay it any time. In fact, 
if he hadn't tweeted or Instagrammed or, or done anything for a long time and then just put that out, that would be even potentially more of a, of a big deal because that's like his only, you know, social media interaction. But um, so what you've seen from Roger over time is just a, a fun guy, right? I mean, like he, he's always doing cool, uh, irreverent things on social media. I, I think Roger could be the go to social media too. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I think he could do a TikTok. Like literally he, him and Coco Goff could go off and do a TikTok and he, he might be the one suggesting it. So, um, I, you know, so I don't, I don't know that it was a build up to this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of, of the other question, there's just a lot that needs to be worked out uh, between, you know, people with a much higher pay grade than me. And uh, I think it would be great. You know, once again, I, I think overall just to have a commissioner of tennis and not have, you know, seven different groups, the ATP, the WTA, the ITF, all the slams um, with their own different, you know, interests and what they think is most important and uh, different revenue streams. So if we can get two of those, to combine as one and, and combine their power to uh, get, you know, deals done and make things happen for the players. That would be fantastic. But once again, I mean, there's so many nuanced levels to this. It's not as easy as just snapping your fingers and saying, okay, the tours will come together and it'll all be great. Um, so I think it's a good start. I think that, uh, you know, having guys like Roger Federer, uh, Rafa Nadal behind it, uh, you know, certainly helps. Um, but you know, this also isn't like a revelation. I mean, Billie Jean King's been talking about this for decades. Um, so the fact that it's come back now is, is wonderful. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. But like I said, a, a lot, a lot to be worked out. Yeah. On the surface, you know, that Roger, Rafa, Djokovic, Serena, all of the biggest names have bought in. That's maybe the detail that's changed. But as you mentioned, all of the other issues in facilitating this sort of merger, they all still remain. And that's why it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, the lack of clear organizational structure, I suppose that there are so many differing interests in tennis, has led to some of the confusion around this coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, I'm curious, we, we finally have seen details emerge for the Player Relief Fund. Um, uh, your thoughts on, you know, the way the ATP, the WTA, ITF player councils facilitated that? Once again, I, I think it's a great um, concept, and I think it's great that they were able to put it together. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that are struggling right now, and I think it's on the ATP and the WTA and, and the organizations to to help their members. Um, personally, I, I don't think it's on the players if if the top players want to help other players, that's fantastic. Um, but I don't think they should be required to. It, it's something that I asked uh, the players yesterday in the press conference for the UTR Pro Match Series. And, and you know, Ali Risk and Isla Tomjanovic said the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great initiative and, and it needs to happen. But it, it needs to come from, you know, the tour level, you know, for somebody to require. I mean, I know Dominic team's been in the news and um, – and, and he, by the way, Dominic Team is a great guy, one. Uh, he's somebody that if, if you're in the media and, you know, you get him for an interview, he'll sit there for hours if you want him to. I mean, like, it's, maybe it's a 10-minute interview. He'll, like, he, he's not itching to go. He'll answer all your questions. Uh, one of the most respectful, nice guys out there who also is a hugely charitable um, human. But I think he wants to know, that his money's going to a good cause and not somebody ranked 
you know, uh, 650 in the world that's, you know, not training hard and, like, thinks tennis is something fun to do. So, um, you know, there needs to be a, a process to get, you know, these these folks money. Maybe you have somebody like Andy Murray who's, you know, ranked lower now. Should he be getting money? No. I mean, should should somebody, you know, who's ranked 250 but uh, is, is a previous, you know, top 20, top 10 player? No. So um, there's a lot of levels to it, but uh, – you know, I, I don't think like I'm not asking, you know, Jim Nance or Al Michaels for like, are you asking Jim Nance for money because he makes 20, 25 million dollars a year? No, you're not. Like, so why should Dominic Team pay for somebody who's, you know, whatever? And I'm not making necessarily that analogy, but like um, you don't see it anywhere else that in, in any other sport that that, you know, a top player has to fund somebody is required to fund, you know, some other player. So if they want to, I'll, you know do whatever they want and that's great um but uh it's on the organizations yeah no i'm not asking you for money but i may ask you for that chocolate chip pancake recipe i don't know if that's the same but it's you know it's kind of similar um (laughs) (laughs) so you run up sundays and and your mom so sundays it's pancake sunday uh you know in the weissman residence and yeah this last week was so i went regular traditional buttermilk then I went to the blueberry pancakes, then I went to the banana walnut pancakes, and then this past Sunday was the, you know, P.S. de Resistance, like, banana walnut chocolate chip pancakes, um, and I may n- never come back again. That was, <laughs> that was the truth right there. Yeah, but, but of course, it, you know, you consider it healthy because instead of syrup, you drizzle honey all over, and you're like, no, this is better. As my man Prakash Amitraj would tell you, seven days a week, there is a cheat day in that week. <laughs> So, Sunday is that cheat day where, you know, you do what you want. And, you, you know, as they say, Alex, treat yourself. So, you got, <laughs> you got to be able to do that at times, you know. Um, and then the other six days, you know, be on that grind. Yeah, the problem is for me, every day is a fast break day. I just, I, I'm a man of, I'm 50% peanut butter. Uh, and, the other per, and the other 50% on nacho cheese. Uh, okay, what just, about almond butter? No uh, almond butter for you? Well, I mean, what are you doing to yourself? If you're going to get butter, go with the GIF. Go with the good stuff. Huh, I really like almond butter. I just, I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I guess, <laughs> well-versed in the GIF. I'll eat almond butter. I don't discriminate. Don't get me wrong. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, some people are super allergic to it, so that, you yeah. know. So if you yeah. have it in your house, and maybe, you know, somebody comes in, they're like, oh, my God, I didn't take my shoes off, and now I'm going to die because of peanuts. So I had a roommate, and I can't t- – I do this now whenever some, someone says, oh, I'm allergic to nuts. I go, tree nuts or legumes? Because, you know, peanuts aren't actually tree nuts. They're legumes because I've gotten that speech so many times. I've never gotten that speech. Oh, I'll introduce you to Michael as a party someday. It'll be another hour-long pod you'll enjoy. He's got the isms. He's a, whenever I say the quote, a wise man once said, self-deprecation builds trust, it's from him, who was my okay. college roommate, of course. So, um, yeah, that, that's what's going on with me. Um, anyways, though, I have, yeah, I have taken up enough of your time. Uh, Steve, as always, we are so appreciative when you take the time to chat with us. Just one last time for all of our listeners out there who are desperate like we all are to watch some live tennis again where can they find you this weekend all right so starting friday may 22nd noon eastern tennis channel myself Lindsay davenport calling the utr pro match series amanda anasimova danielle collins allison risk isla tomjanovic uh if you're in chicago it'll be on the cubs marquee network if you're in new york or anywhere across the country it'll be on the yankees yes network plus if you're in florida 
West Palm Beach, CW34. If you're in Germany, Tennis Channel Deutschland. If you're just on the interwebs, Universal Tennis, Tennis Channel Facebook page. That's where you can find me, Alex. Oh, I'm happy to hear it. All right, bonus question. <laughs> Strawberry or grape jelly? Cherry. Oh. And it's not to... jelly, it's preserves. All right, it's time I for like you to go. I like the actual cherry. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's, that's enough time for you today. Don't, <laughs> don't be preaching cherry preserves to our listeners. Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's the only way I go. <laughs> yeah, but Steve, thank you so much, as always, t- for taking the time. Good luck this weekend. Uh, enjoy the event. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, you too. I look forward to your text. Yeah, take, take care. See ya. Hope you all enjoyed my conversation with my Mishpacha Tennis Channel, Steve Weissman. Of course, again, if you want to check out Steve this weekend, calling all of the action at the UTR Pro Series event, go watch him on Tennis Channel on the various platforms they provide as well. I know I speak for all of us as tennis fans when I say we're just so excited to see our favorite professionals back on the court that we are definitely looking forward to this event. So good luck to Steve and, our, of course, our girl LD, Lindsay Davenport, on the call. And thank you again to Steve for taking the time. It really is always such a pleasure to get to chat with him. Uh, if you've missed any of our content, there have been so many podcasts as of late here on our Cracked Rackets podcast network. We try to do our best to ensure that you listeners are kept up to date on all things going on in the professional tennis world, that you get your fix of pro tennis even while there are no live results for us to discuss. Uh, but of course, if you've missed any of the podcasts, you can go find them on our website, CrackedRackets.com. For you college tennis fans, as of late, we've had guests such as Ashley Leahy of Pepperdine, Michaela Gordon of Stanford, Alexa Graham of UNC. Uh, Of course, Chris, Matt, and I did our Great Shot podcast putting a bow on the 2020 men's season, but... We're trying to keep all of you college tennis fans in heart at our hearts right now because it would obviously be NCAA time. And while we can't replace that, we can keep college tennis on the forefront of your mind and give these athletes the sort of uh, notoriety, the sort of, uh, uh, I guess, attention, really, that they deserve in a time like May when we're used to May Madness right about now. So go check those out. Of course, again, on the business front, you want to hear more about the nuances of what's going on on the business side of tennis through the COVID-19 crisis. Check out the GSPs I did with with Sports Business Journal's Brett McCormick, as well as former ATP CEO Mark Miles. Also, be sure to go check out our YouTube channel. If you need a lighthearted laugh, go check out our series, Overserved. We're 10 episodes in now. They continue to get better and better, in my opinion. And, of course, Super Producer Daniel Westoff killing it on the YouTube channel with our other series as well. So, you know, just go subscribe to that at this point. You listen to minute 55, minute maybe over the hour mark of the podcast, you can take the extra 15 seconds to go subscribe to YouTube as well to ensure that you don't miss any of our Cracked Rackets content moving forward. And by the way, we want to hear what you listeners think, so please feel reach, uh, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, it's at Great Shot Pod. I am oh so close to 1,000 followers on Twitter, and I would greatly appreciate if any of you listeners who 
don't follow me, just throw that follow up there, please. I promise it's just this, but in written form with some gifts thrown in. So I think all of you will enjoy that as well. Uh, but with that being said, shout out as always to the super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, for the f***ing editing job they do day in, day out, making these podcasts possible. All of their hard work is really uh, the engine that makes Cracked Rackets go. So always a big shout out to them at the end of each of these episodes. Shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports. Be sure to go to their website, MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off. Also, be sure to go to AeroBar.com because you want to be well-fed, well-prepared from a nutrition standpoint when you make your return to the tennis court. And AeroBar is the only tennis-specific energy bar out there that can get you best prepared, best ready, most fit to be on the court. Of course, we talked to co-founders Mark Aerosmith and Andrew Golub yesterday on the Mini Break podcast. If you haven't, go check that out as well. Uh, Use that promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your order of Aero Bars. But with that being said, for super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at both Midwest Sports and at Aero Bar, and all of us here, oh, I should say my friend Steve Weissman from Tennis Channel, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin, and you know what we say, folks? That's the break, and we will see you all next week. Have a nice Everyone enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Again, I, I'm going to do two seconds on this. In quarantine, is it actually Memorial Day weekend? That's up for debate, I suppose. We've all been at home anyways, so I don't know if it feels like a holiday, but it is a long weekend, and we hope all of you enjoy it, and we will say one more time, that's the break, and we will see you all on Monday. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>